I can honestly say that I learned how to work, like period, just from being in her program. I'm not saying that there is nothing wrong with switching teams. You know, I believe finding the right fit, but I also believe that when you in the right fit, stick with the fit. <laughs> like, oh, what schools you go to? And he named like four schools. <laughs> I was like, Bruh. like, oh, wow. Like everybody older than me, like they talking about stuff I don't even know about yet. <laughs> like, you know, it was just, it was a different environment. The practices were so hard. And there are days where I got in the car with my dad and I'm like, pops. <laughs> Did you know that I have two books? One called The Little Girl Big Dreams. It's about an ambitious little girl who overcomes every no to say yes to a dream. The other is called Changing Lanes. It teaches you about the things that you learn from sport and how it translates to life after sport. Be sure to check these out at itsjustdifferentpod.com. Let's get to the episode. Welcome to the It's Just Different Podcast where we bring people on who have been where you are trying to go and or have helped countless athletes get there. I am your host, Ashley Roberts, former collegiate player, real estate investor, Arthur, just overall serial entrepreneur. Today, we have a special guest on, played collegiate basketball, two Power Five uh, conferences, played at Duke, played at Texas, hook em horns, baby. Currently yeah. playing professionally overseas. She's been France. Turkey, all over the country. This is someone who loves the game of basketball, understands the game of basketball, can teach and coach the game of basketball. Kyra Lambert, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're currently overseas, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm Where? currently in Latvia. What time is it? It's 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. Ooh, by the way, y'all, yeah. it is two o'clock right now. Kyra, I definitely appreciate your time <laughs> for staying up late just to get on this podcast. That that does not of go course. unnoticed. Of course, of course. I wouldn't have missed it. Where all have you been? Where all have you played? Yeah, a little bit of all over. I've been to Turkey, uh, Slovakia, France, New Zealand, now Latvia. So a little bit of all over. All over, all over. Well, Kyra, some of you may know, um, actually coached in our organization. And we talk a lot just, you know, about how things are different um, in the AAU world. Kids are different. Parents are different, whether good or bad. And it's how I like to start this podcast off every episode. So I want to ask you, what do you think is different? And this can be good or bad um, in the youth in the youth industry currently. Oof. I mean, it's a lot compared to like when I was in their shoes, what well, seems like forever ago. Um, one of the biggest things I would say was how like almost commercialized AU basketball is. And um, yes, it's still about basketball, but there's so much about like your personal brand, um, more pushing of like getting your own personal highlights out there, um, your name known. Um like, yes, you know, people are still, like, playing a system type of basketball and stuff, but it's almost more so, like, get yours, and then everything else kind of falls falls after that. But uh, so much is different. It, it You can write a book about it, so. That's 100%. I ain't going to lie. I think if NIL was around, now, I wasn't the best player, but I know how to make money and I know how to <laughs> strategize. I'm running up yeah. a bag. Like it's happening. <laughs> right. I promise. I promise you, right. it's happening. 
So I think that I, I love to see these athletes um, being able to make money, honestly. I think that's that's such a good no, thing. Facts. Yeah, no, so. A, it's it's changing the game for real. Mm-hmm. I think it's bringing more notice to women's basketball. Absolutely, because I would argue that women's basketball is one of the most marketable demographics in sports, period. Um, you have so many personalities, style trends, um, things, popular culture. People are talented outside of basketball and being able to, to market that and push stuff like that. Um, I think it's amazing. So it's NIL has definitely been a game changer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How long have you been uh, overseas? How long have you been playing overseas? This, this is my third year, going into my third year. Ooh, so when did you start playing basketball? Uh, uh, five or six. When I was five or six, I picked up the ball because my brother is like a year and a half older than me. So mm -hmm. when he picked up a ball, I was just doing everything he wanted to do. And when did you get, I guess, when did you get serious about basketball? Um, mm, probably... I joined, like, my first, like, okay, I want to do this team when I was, like, eight or nine. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was, like, an all-girls team. Before that, I had just been playing, like, you know, like the co-ed leagues and just kind of out there to be out there. And then my dad and another girl's dad started coaching a team um, of just all-girls, our age group. And after that, like, I think almost every one of us went D1, now that I think about it, from, like, <laughs> eight or nine years old. Um but yeah, that's when I started to get more serious about it. And you said your dad had a team. Where was that team at? Where were you at? Uh, in Cibolo, Shirt Cibolo area. So a little bit north of San Antonio. San Antonio, one of the San Antonio greats, y'all. We are listening and talking. I am talking with one of the greats in San Antonio. One thing I love about Kyra, I think she's modest but Kyra got buckets in San Antonio I was reading doing my research and uh I saw that 50 ball that you dropped I don't know who that was but I'm like a whole 50 ball oh my gosh back in the day back in the day yeah yeah I seen it so you said that you started you kind of got serious eight to nine played with your dad's team walk us through that what was young Kyra like going from AAU what, what did that look like Man, I was kind of like a lot of the kids are nowadays. Like, at some point, I just kind of stopped listening to my dad. Like, it kind of <laughs> took another another voice to kind of get to me. And um, one of the things I really appreciate and value with, like, my, my relationship with my dad, um, not just from, like, a coach player, but just, like, being a dad, mm -hmm. is that he knew when it was time to, like, give me up and, like, let me hear from a different voice, put me on a different team. Um, which is when I went to Team Express and, and learned from one of the greats, one of one of my like mentors and, and all time favorite coaches, um, who had like been to where I wanted to go, played collegiately, played professionally. Um, also a, a Longhorn hookup, but um, but yeah, he knew when it was time for me to to go to the next level, and he gave me what he could give me. Of course, he was still dad, still supportive, giving me these pointers on the side, but. Um, he put me in positions where I wasn't the best on the court anymore, where I had to hold my own, where I had to keep up, um, where I had to grow in order to not just survive, but then thrive. Um, so I really do appreciate that and value that in our relationship. I love to see Longhorns giving back. Shout out to Carissa Davis. When did you join her team? 
Uh, I was in the seventh grade when I joined her team. So that was an eye opener. From the I was going to say, what was that like? I've heard so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was tough. Like, I can honestly say that I learned how to work, like, period, just from being in her program, from um, holding yourself accountable, um, doing the, the conditioning outside of the practices, uh, being in those long three-hour practices on the weekends. We used to do two a days on Saturdays and then one on Sunday, three hours in the morning, three hours in the evening. Mm-hmm. And um, as a seventh grader, it was hard because I'm playing against my seventh grade year, uh, I think was when like Megan Simmons, um, Ariel Roberson, uh, Jasmine Sporov, like that was Oh, like, y'all had a squad. Summer. Yeah, like, and I was just trying to keep up. Like, I'm, you know, just getting to junior high school, trying to keep up with juniors and seniors in high school, about to go to the Tennessees, the Colorados, like, you know, Power Five schools. So it was eye opening for me, but I grew so much learning terminology, uh, just like how workouts are, how you're supposed to carry yourself. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was valuable for sure. Now, let me ask you, because you did coach AAU for a little bit. Do you think Clarissa <laughs> could coach now? The Clarissa that coached you guys, do you think that she could do that same thing now? I think she could, but I think it would take a certain type of, like, the the kid and the parents would have to be bought in from the jump. For sure. Because, like, if you know Clarissa – you know that it's not like a, you're not lukewarm. Like you're mm-hmm. either bought in or it's like, you might as well take, take you it somewhere You can go, else. you can go. Right, right. But if you're bought in, like it absolutely pays off. I don't know one person where it didn't pay off. I love that. I love that. Shout out again to Clarissa. So many athletes have came, yeah. come through that program and are doing great things. Yeah. I love to see it for women's basketball, for girls basketball. So you said seventh grade, you played with her. Did you play with anybody else or was that seventh grade throughout? Um, From seventh grade on, I played with her. Uh, Before that, I played for like a guy's team Mm -hmm. for like one one or two years. That was was valuable as well Mm because it was like more physical. They were more um, aggressive, more athletic, and you just – I mean, yeah, we were the same age, but it's just, it's a little different, you know, the pace of the game, um, trying to just adapt kind of in a different way, different style of ball. Um, But yeah, and then I played one year with a different team, um, but it was like a short little stint. But once I was with Team Express, it was raps. So so I definitely want to talk about that. I think now... Um, there are so many athletes that change AAU programs every season, yeah. sometimes during the season. <laughs> like, I ain't going to lie, yeah. you, you're you going to see somebody in a uniform in the next tournament, they in a whole different uniform. <laughs> like, it's, right. it's crazy. Right. Um, it's funny, like, after the season, um, like, people always ask, like, me personally, like, about my teams, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I have... I have no idea. (laughs) We'll see once we get closer. But I love to hear that you stuck with one team from seventh grade throughout and you were able to reap those benefits. Like, talk about that, you know, a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there is nothing wrong with switching teams. You know, I believe finding the right fit. Um, But I also believe that when you're in the right fit, 
stick with the fit. <laughs> right. Right. No, for sure. Um, there's there's so many things. I, I really think that basketball, uh, it speaks to broader life. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to commitment, loyalty. Um, when you have something and say it's hard or say it's, you know, not uh, exactly how you pictured it, how do you respond to that? Um, I'm not saying that everybody should stay in a difficult situation. By no means am I saying that. Uh, but I think that it does speak volumes when um, when you're challenged and you respond in a way where it's not like a, okay, I don't like this, so I'm just going to go to the next thing. Maybe the grass is greener somewhere else because it's not always greener. Honestly, in my experience, most times it's not greener. It's not greener. Um, but <laughs> but I think that like sticking with something and having stability, knowing a system, knowing a coach, building those relationships are so valuable. It's so valuable and it pays off not just in the moment, not just in a couple of years, but honestly, like it's a life lesson. Um, so, yeah. I love to hear it. Now, obviously, everybody is human. It's natural instincts. Were there any times where, because seventh grade, how many years is that? You know, I can't really count. Seven, eight, nine, <laughs> like ten, five, five years. Like five years. Yeah. Five years. So <laughs> were there ever any instances where you wanted to leave? Like, nah, this ain't for me. I want to try something else. Um, There might have been like one instance where I was just like, oof. Honestly, it was probably that seventh or eighth grade year where I was just like, man, I don't know if I can keep up. Like, Mm -hmm. this is hard. I've never experienced this before. Like, everybody older than me, like, they talking about stuff I don't even know about yet. (laughs) You know, it was just, it was a different environment. The practices were so hard. Uh, And there were days when I got in the car with my dad and I'm like, pops? (laughs) (laughs) He kept bringing me back. I'm like, I guess this is what we're doing. Uh, But eventually, like, once I, like, bought in, and I saw like the growth and like I saw me starting to handle situations a little differently once I took that first you know, like big hit or you know that first um, like say I turned it over and I responded I gotta stop or something like like little instances like that I was like oh okay like I can hang with these girls oh yeah. okay like I'm getting better you know what I mean like people my age aren't doing this right now um, and that made all the difference makes sense I love it so seventh grade throughout you was with Team Express. When did you start getting heavily recruited? Uh, honestly, it was that seventh, that first summer mm-hmm. um, playing up. I remember I was playing with the – because she had three teams, I think, at that time. I think it was like – yeah, I think it was three teams. There was like two 17U teams, and then there was um, like a younger high school team. And I was playing on that younger high school team. Uh, but we still had really good players like all throughout mm-hmm. the program. So some of them were getting recruited and stuff. I remember the first live period. I'll never forget this. She puts me in the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, like, there was coaches around the court. Like, it was one of those games. I don't know who we were playing with, but they had to be all world because everybody was lying <laughs> around the court. She throws me in the game. First of all, she was like, she used to call me a little bit. She's like, little bit, go. I said, me? <laughs> I get up, I go in, and my eyes are just, like, huge deer in headlines. I think I turned the ball over the first time I touched it. Uh, But it was kind of like that welcome to, you know, like, real live period basketball. Um, And it was just kind of like that, you know, this is is what it is kind of moments. And then I just kind of grew from there, learned lessons along the way. And, 
Yeah, it was, oof, yeah, it was crazy. But from that live period is when I started to like get interest. Mm-hmm. Um, start letters. Start- and this was back when they were sending questionnaires. I don't even know if they sent. Listen, I was about to say now. You know, we have to break down. So when I used to get these letters, I used to be so excited, like telling my mom and daddy, like, "Oh, I got a letter." And my daddy was so realistic right. because my older brother had been through this process. Yeah. So I would be excited. My mama mm-hmm. excited, and my daddy is like, "That they that's a mass. Like they sending that out to everybody." Mm-hmm. So he was like, right. "Whenever you get the handwritten letter, they want you." Other than that, yeah. like, stop bringing me these questionnaires. Right. And then, <laughs> my daddy used to, like, low-key hurt my feelings. I'm like, I just got a letter. Right. <laughs> like, dang. Right. right. Like, I'm excited to just get mail right now. What? <laughs> Come on, now. Oh, man. So, yeah, but yeah, you no, start getting the letters. It's different. They, it hit different. Yeah. Like, I, I never get my first one. It hit different. So, you start getting these letters. Um, when did you get your first offer? Uh, I think it was that second summer, the summer, okay. I think after, during or after my eighth grade year, I got my first office from Kansas. Let's Kansas go. Eight, was that eighth grade summer going into ninth or seventh grade summer going into eighth grade? Oof. I think it was eighth, eighth going into ninth, ninth. I want to say. Yeah, I think so. Somewhere I love around. that. I love that. So I was just on with, oh no, Amber said Kansas State. I was going to say, I just, I was on with Amber. She's done, Amber Gregg did an interview, um, but hers was Kansas State. I was going to say, Kansas was out out here. It was Kansas State though. Okay, so Kansas, Kansas was your first offer. Do you remember that feeling? Like, what was that like? It was eye-opening. It was kind of that moment where it's like, oh, snap. Like, this is like, this is kind of what you do it for. Mm-hmm. Like the work is paying off. People are noticing, um, you know, like maybe I should listen to my dad more <laughs> like those kind of those kind of moments. And it was it was cool because like it's kind of like dating. It's like everybody likes to have interests. Everybody likes to feel wanted um, to some extent. So it was it was a new feeling and it was cool. And after that, it's kind of like like after you get your first offer, more schools like get interested and, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of all starts rolling nope i love it i love it so started with your dad went to clarissa got your first offer eighth grade summer going into ninth grade had a phenomenal high school season we're not gonna even get into it y'all can just look kyra up she had a great great season it came time to picking a school when did you pick the school and what was the first what was the school you picked Oh, okay. So this, this is, I don't know a lot of people know this, but my, I committed verbally to A&M first. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. Okay. Yeah. So my, I committed super early. I think it was like my freshman going into my sophomore year. I I committed to A&M. My sister, my older sister, she's like six and a half years older than me. She had gone to A&M, was currently there. I was a huge Aggie fan. Mm -hmm. Um, they they were really good at the time. They had I think it was they had just won the national championship um, that year. Uh, Gary Blair is a legendary coach. So and it was I'm not gonna say down the street, but it was close enough to where like I was far enough away from my parents. But if they wanted to see me or if they wanted to come to a game, they could. Um, so like the proximity was there. And then like a year and a half, maybe a year I think afterwards. I like had realized 
I didn't actually give the full process a mm-hmm. chance. So then I reopened my recruiting. Um, def- like A&M definitely wasn't happy about it, yeah. but I gave everybody else a fair chance and, you know, I landed on going to Duke, so... Why did you feel like you commit verbally, you know, gave a verbal to AM, mm-hmm. which means you felt something? Why did you feel right. the need to give everybody a fair chance? Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a conflicting feeling almost. I felt like like I didn't take other visits like anywhere else. It was kind of mm-hmm. really all I knew. And part of me, like I'm not a homebody. So as I was kind of like going through high school a little bit, I was like questioning my decision a little bit. And I was like, okay, let me give everybody else a fair chance. And shoot, if A&M is still the choice, then it's the choice. But if it's not, then, you know, like at least I went through the process. You went through the process. I love to hear that. Now, how did we land on Duke? Yeah, so Duke was showing love pretty early and when I reopened that that recruiting process um like they were still there I decided to I took an unofficial visit actually I went out there took an unofficial visit um loved it Uh, I had family that was close by like extended family and um just I'm a nature person so like when I first landed the trees got me this sounds so corny but like the tree like the nature got me coming from Texas where it's like all roads and buildings and like flat land for the most part, um, the different seasons. And then when I got on campus, it just felt like a family atmosphere. The mm-hmm. girls were really welcome. Staff was genuine. Um, I built good relationships with the people that were recruiting me, like the assistant coaches, Coach P. And um, I liked their style of play. And, I mean, it, it fit me. There was opportunity there, like, when I was going to come in as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So um, it was – and then – Let's not forget, like, it's one of the top academic schools in the country. Yeah. So that part, um, like, my mom, uh, as much as my dad was, like, the the sports person, like, my mom was equally academics. So everything, as much effort as I put into basketball, like, she made sure that I was putting it into academics as well. Not many people know this, but I graduated number 12 in my class. Let's go. And, like, I really attribute that to my mom, just, like, pushing me, staying on me. Um, Like, if I was going to extra practices, extra trainings and stuff, like, on the way in the car, like, I was doing homework there and back. Like, I used to drive up to Austin for training and stuff. So, like, I was doing homework constantly. Um, I I transferred high schools for academics. Like, I went into the IB program at Clemens. Um, So she always made sure that academics was a priority. and, And me going to Duke was a reflection of that as well. Yeah. And I I can see that because as I was reading, I saw that you did transfer and you had to play JV. Like most kids, like if they if they got to play JV to transfer, they not they're not going to do it. So, (laughs) yeah, academics was definitely um, a high priority. For sure. Yep. So got to Duke. What happened at Duke? What, What did that look like? Man, my time at Duke was nothing like I expected it to be, but not in a bad way. Kind of in, okay. a, in a great way, in a great way. And those that know my story at Duke are kind of like, huh? But I went to Duke. I played my first two years. 
my uh my sophomore year at the end of my sophomore year we're in the not like we're in the ncaa tournament we're hosting um we're a four seed i think like we got a great seed in the tournament and the first game uh we're playing a team and this girl runs into me and i tear my acl had mm. never had like a, a crazy injury never had surgery nothing like that before and that like was not how I pictured yeah. <laughs> anything going. Um, long story short, the next like two two and a half years, um, I toured two more times, so three times total consecutively. And I sat my junior, my senior year, so I only played two years. I played my freshman year, my sophomore year. I sat my junior year, my senior year, and then I played my grad year at Duke. So you tore your ACL um, three times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What legs? Yeah. What was that? Two on one, one on the other? Uh, all three on the left side. That's Lefty love. Crazy. That's what I like to call it. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Tori ACL three times. You still was at Duke your grad year? Yes. Yeah. I did my grad year at Duke. And how was that? It was good. Like, it was... The way that it happened for me was a total God moment. Like mm -hmm. I get in, I get into the game. Um, I love the fans at Duke. Like they are family for me. So like I get in the game, everybody's excited. It's been two years since I even touched the court. Um, I'm like emotional. Like I'm just running around excited. My <laughs> coach is like, Kyra, chill out. Don't take any risks." Like, <laughs> but yeah. I'm like running around. Like all I know is like, go hard, go hard. And um, the first time. Like, I, I, I think we got a rebound or something. The clock's going down at the end of the first quarter. And I launched this three-quarter court shot. Nothing but net. And the gym just goes crazy. I was going to say, I know clears. everybody went crazy. I'm emotional. I'm like, dang, it's still only the – we're going into the second quarter. I feel like the game should be over. <laughs> like, it was just a total God moment for that to be, like, my first shot back. A three-quarter court, just Hail Mary. But – um like the love and like just the family atmosphere that I'll always have at Duke and for Duke um is second to none. So. I love that. I love to hear that. Yes, we have merch available. Be sure to check out the site at it's just differentpod.com to see if it's something you might like. All right, back to the episode. And I don't wanna glance over the injuries. I think ACL mm -hmm. That's one of the most popular injuries in women's basketball and youth basketball. <laughs> I've torn my ACL, so I, I tore mine in high mm -hmm. school. Um, know all about it. I don't know if I would have been able to continue playing if I would have tore it three times, though. I don't know. One time, <laughs> you know, I'm a little dramatic. So one time was, <laughs> was enough for me. But how was right. your, like, mental? How was you able to continue to play this game of basketball, continue to love the game of basketball. Like, what was that like? Yeah, no, it was hard. Um, I'll say, like, the number one thing that got me through was faith, mm -hmm. just knowing that, like, God wouldn't put something on my heart that he didn't want me to pursue. And there were times, like, don't get me wrong, there were times where I was like, man, like, maybe I should be done. Um, people close to me that were like, Kai, like, you gave the game, like, you don't owe this game anything. Mm -hmm. like you're good like you can walk away um family that was just like 
nope, you're done. Like, just like, you're crazy for continuing to pursue this. And I was just like, man, like, I love this game. Um, so much has come from it. Not just like playing, not just accolades, but like relationships. And if I'm going to leave it, I'm going to leave it on my terms, not just love because it. of an injury. Mm -hmm. um, and like one of, actually, one of the, the pieces of advice that I will like forever, forever cherish is um, Sean Hardiman. Actually, I called him one night, I was in my car, uh, was having a tough time. This is after the third surgery. And I'm like, yo, like, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. Look, like, I'm feeling bad for myself. And he was like, instead of asking why you, like, ask why not you. Like, you're the perfect person to go through this. Some people wouldn't be able to handle this. Like, this is your testimony. And what you do with it is, is you know, is what you want to do with it. But um, at the end of the day, like, you were built for it. And, like, I'll always, I'll always hold that dear, so... Yes, for sure. Shout out to Sean Hardy, man. Adam Ballhart, Austin, Texas, changing lives, killing the game. Keep doing what you're doing, Sean. Um, so, yeah. So you have these injuries. Like, what were you doing? You know, most times, like I said, people tear the ACL. And like, I, I personally know kids who tear the ACL and they sit around and do nothing and they're not able to come back right. or prolong it. Um, like, what were some of the things that you did during that process, during that time to make sure you came back stronger? and ready right right um one of the things uh this is gonna sound weird but like i didn't focus on myself a lot like i focused on myself as far as rehabbing things but i was like okay if i'm gonna be out like i'm gonna be i'm still gonna find a way to impact my team to impact the game mm -hmm. so i was like okay i asked the coaches like can i sit in on you know, like y'all's meetings, y'all's y'all's film sessions. Like, can I be kind of like a liaison with my teammates? Because at this time, I had already had the experience. Like, I was starting my freshman year, so I right. had a lot of experience on the court, Power Five. So, like for like the freshmen coming in, uh, my teammates that I know, you have teammates that um, aren't necessarily like as cool with coaches, or you mm -hmm. know, like they have you know different. Relationships. So, like, I was able to to connect with them in a different way. Um, and just like, just always being in the gym, doing what I could, whether it's chair drills, form shooting in the weight room, um, all of those things just to stay connected and to show my team, like, nah, like, even though I'm not on the court, like I'm with y'all, like we in the trenches together, whether, you know, I can play or whether I can't, like, I'm the loudest one on the bench, um, first one to practice, last one to leave, whether I can play or not. Um, so just like find a way where I could still impact and then like rehab wise, my rehab for the last one was very different from my rehab for the first two. Mm -hmm. And it was a difference of like, it's one thing to be strong and like having strength, but it's another thing to be functional. So I think the biggest thing with my last rehab was I was strong, but I was more functional than just, you know, pumping weight just to pump weight. So that makes sense. Okay. I like that. So did all of that, finished that Duke. I'm assuming you had some years left because you, I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah. And play. How many years did you have left um, when you left Duke? So I had two, two, two. years left, but I only took one. Took one. Yeah. Um, walk us through that process. After Duke, how did you go about making your decision? Um we all know Kyra chose Texas. Hook them. Hook them. I don't know <laughs> if y'all can horns. see my hands. There <laughs> yeah. we go. 
Um, <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. yeah. Well, first, I will say, like, I didn't leave Duke on any bad terms. I mm-hmm. want to clear that, like, up front. I left Duke because there wasn't another degree for me to get. Like, I got my bachelor's. <laughs> you don't got them all. I got my master's. <laughs> right. I didn't have enough years of eligibility to get a PhD. So <laughs> I kind of had to leave. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not gonna stay somewhere just to get like a certificate when I can go get another master's somewhere. Right. Um, so I went through the process and I had, um, I had talked to a lot of schools. A lot of schools reached out. Um, entering the transfer portal was, it was wild to be in the transfer portal after you have college experience because your questions are different. Yeah. Your questions are different. Your perspective is different. Um, so and it was COVID. So that was crazy because like people weren't taking visits. Um, a lot of things were changing. And uh, at the end of the day, because a big part of it was because it was COVID, I decided like, hey, I'm gonna go back closer to my family. They've only been able to come to a handful of my games over the past mm-hmm. four or five years. Mm-hmm. Why not, you know, go down the street? It's a great institution, great school. Um, high level basketball, and you know, like even though it's COVID, they were still able to come to a lot of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a really cool experience. I love it. I love it. What was your experience like at Texas? Yeah, it was challenging. I'm not gonna lie, it was very challenging, very different from Duke. At Duke, um, <laughs> the style of basketball was way different. It was mm-hmm. so funny in the preseason. Um, if y'all, if if people know the style of play for Texas, it is ninety four feet of defense, mm-hmm. like face guarding, like dog mentality in your face, like forty minutes. At Duke, we were in a three two zone ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> like we might press, maybe, but we falling back into that three two zone. So like the mental shift um, was was total like opposite mentality. Um, being at Texas and uh, I used to I used to joke with my coaches like yo y'all gonna have to give me a minute because I've been in a zone for the past five years <laughs> like I'm gonna get there don't worry but y'all gonna have to give me some grace mm-hmm. um, but it was it was challenging um, at Texas like I learned that I could I knew I could do hard things but I really learned that I could do hard things at Texas. Um, it wasn't easy because, like, that COVID year, it was so weird. Um, being in a great city like Austin, um, being, you know, I was, what, 22, 23, 22, maybe 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's a great city, but everything is closed. We didn't even have a locker room this that year. Like, Can't do nothing. Really, Nothing. We went to the apartment. We went to the gym. We changed in the bathroom at the gym and we went home. Like can't eat together because of the, uh, what is it called? Um, contact tracing, Mm -hmm. just in case somebody pops up positive. Like it was like, it was a, it was a tough year. Um, and it was a new coaching staff, uh, players that they didn't recruit were there, player, just me and I think two other players were players that they actually recruited. Um, so that was a challenge, just getting like the culture right, getting people to buy in, including myself, not going to lie to you, um, but honestly. But uh, it was it was challenging. But, I mean, we went to an Elite Eight. We went yeah. to an Elite Eight in San 
Antonio. So that was special. That was really, really special. Um, knocking off some juggernauts along the way. So it was it was cool to see all of the all of the uh, tough times pay off. Man, you just said a lot, and I have a lot of questions. Hopefully, I don't forget <laughs> them because you said a lot in there. But one thing I want to go back to, you said Duke. At Duke, y'all was in a three-two zone most of the time. At Texas, yeah. it was pretty yeah. much ninety-four feet man to man. One thing mm-hmm. that really, really I ain't gonna lie, get on my nerves in the youth industry and <laughs> AAU specifically is that. Like, mm-hmm. everybody think, all the coaches just think, oh, you need to play man, you need to play man. And if you're not playing man, you're not preparing kids for college. But right. here you at, here you are saying that, dude, y'all was in a 3-2. Right. Like, y'all ran a 3-2 right. zone. Faithfully. Like, <laughs> like I, every time, you know, because we I, I we do a 13-1-3-1 or we'll run man. Mm-hmm. To me, I think it depends on the mm-hmm. team and depend on what's going on. Yeah. But we're gonna hop sure. in at one three one. Like it's it's happening. Yeah. And I never forget a game right. we played, a coach was like after the game, like we won. Coaches was there, mm-hmm. kids played well, and he was like, You play well, you coach well, but in order to prepare your kids, you gotta get them out that one three one. And I'm like, it's it's schools in college that run zone, and I believe that Thanks. zone principles and man principles can be the same thing. Like Absolutely. So absolutely. I love to hear that, that you said that y'all was in a 3-2 zone. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's – and, I mean, basketball, like, you trying to win. So if you know a team isn't going to be able to respond to something like a zone, like, why not? Right. And, like, coaches change the game plans up. Like, just last week, a team zoned us professionally. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's at every level of the game. People change it up, coming out of timeouts. Okay, we're going to go zone. Okay, then we're going to trap, and then we're going to go back to – like, you got to know how to play both. I 100% agree. 100% agree with that. Another thing that you talked about was the transfer portal. Um, You was in the transfer portal how many years? That was, what, four years ago? No, I'm saying when you – what was that, Uh, four years ago or five years ago? Yeah. Four or five years ago. Five. Five. The transfer portal is so different now. Like, everybody in the transfer portal. It's it's a whole club in there. Um, Like, what what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Like, how do you feel it's affecting high school athletes, if it is affecting them? And and just your thoughts in general on the transfer portal. Man, I'm going to try not to make this a long-winded answer, but I have so many thoughts. First of all, I think that it is 10 times harder to get a scholarship as a high school senior mm-hmm. now with the portal because a lot of coaches, coaches that I've talked to, uh, they're going, they don't have like true freshmen on their roster. They're going to the right. transfer portal first because they want players with experience and they can get that because there are more people in the transfer portal than spots 100%. that can be filled. So I will say it is harder for, for high school seniors now, I would say. Um, also, I think that it's not – I'm not going to say people are wrong for transferring. Um, I will say that I think people need to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. before making the decision to transfer. Like, are you transferring because it truly is just not a good situation? Or are you transferring because you didn't put in the work? Mm-hmm. 
like there's there's a difference between being in a truly bad situation where there is no way that you can um be successful or thrive or accomplish whatever goals you set and going somewhere um just because you think the grass is greener because there are so many stories where people transferred and they're just as unhappy as they are mm-hmm. as they were at previous school um so i think that people really need to be honest with themselves uh before they make that that decision i was talking to um I was talking to a guy the other day and I was like, oh, like what school did you go to? The, he was playing, he's pro- playing professionally overseas. I was like, oh, what school did you go to? And he named like four schools. <laughs> I was like, Bruh. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. And then like, it's like at some point you like, pe- some people transfer so much that I don't know. I don't think it's the schools. Like right. it might be just, you know, um, so I think it just, it starts with that honesty and, and just knowing like, okay, I put myself, um, like this is the school I chose. Did I do everything that I possibly could before I just pack up and leave just because it's easy, just because there's no penalty for it now. Yes. Because that's the before, thing is no penalty. Yeah. Before people really had to think and say like, Hey, like, do I, is it worth me sitting a whole year? to be able to play am I that unhappy whereas now it's just like hmm I'll go try over here I'll just mm-hmm. go try over here and yeah NIL makes a difference because you know there are bigger pockets other places um but that's a whole nother conversation yeah and I think it's like very similar to AAU like directors mm-hmm. joke every year after the first live period in April like you see it all over Twitter like everybody joking like okay you're coming to club portal like here come kids jumping from, <laughs> like, every year. Here come kids jumping from team to team. And, like, mm-hmm. again, it's like what you said. Like, if it's just not a right fit, because I do believe, like, you have to find the right fit. Like, there are some teams yeah. you go to that you shouldn't be on. But when I talk to mm-hmm. some of these kids, like, y'all done played on three, four, five AAU teams from your freshman year to your junior year. Sometimes from your freshman year to your sophomore year. Like, you just mm-hmm. you just club hopping. And I just don't think it teaches – anything like to me it's showing that you don't know how to fight through adversity like one thing go wrong something go wrong you want to hop to another team you want to do this and that and it just leads to college and then it's gonna lead to when you out of college right Mm -hmm. so I agree I think pattern yeah it's a pattern it's like teach the kids to fight through something you know and understand why you're leaving whether that's AAU whether that's college like you said understand why you are leaving are you leaving because mm-hmm. if you're a high school, you know, if you're in high school, you're a sophomore or junior, are you leaving because you want to play college basketball and you have not seen a college coach at not one of your games? That's probably a good right. reason to find another team. <laughs> right. You know, right. or are you leaving because you got mad at the coach because they barely played you to save you from right. getting exposed or whatever? Like, find out why you're leaving. And again, I think it's the same thing with the transfer portal. I think that. There should be rules. I I agree that the transfer portal can be good. You know, just like coaches Mm -hmm. have the opportunity. Coaches got the opportunity. They get a better job or whatever the case may be. They can up and leave. It's no penalty for them. Right? So for me, Mm -hmm. like, okay, if your coach leave, automatic. You can go somewhere. Agreed. Right? I think I said this on another Mm -hmm. episode. If you're a freshman... I don't think unless it's just like something serious or life and death or something like that. But if you're a freshman, I do not think that you should be able to transfer 
because yeah. most freshmen, they get to college, right? And they go from being mm-hmm. the best player, taking all the shots, being able to probably do what they want, to now you got to work mm-hmm. for something. You're a freshman. Absolutely. You shouldn't Absolutely. be able to transfer. Work that. through that. Like, you know. So I, I think agree with that. we can talk for an hour on the transfer portal, but I, I I definitely agree. I think that kids, one, have to be able to work, understand, is it the right fit? Understand your decision before you make the decision. You talked about like, Thanks. yeah, you talked about like understanding why you're leaving. I think kids, parents, directors, everybody and trainers, anybody involved in a decision should understand why the kid is going to that school in the first place you know Thanks. i think that's another Thanks. thing like kids at the end of the day they're putting their trust in their directors and their trainers and whoever else and sometimes these people are making the wrong decision and sending this kid to this school knowing this kid does right. not need to be at that school right no i 100 percent agree like one thing i will say is like a lot of people are choosing schools because of the name and mm-hmm. figuring out that, oh, like maybe I should have took a different offer and not because it's the right fit. Just like you said, I know um, one girl, she had bigger offers, but she went to a smaller school and had an amazing career, ended up getting her master's um, and thrived and is now playing professionally overseas. Uh, whereas I know people who took bigger offers that were unhappy, um, it wasn't the right fit, ended up transferring two and three times um, because it just it, it wasn't the right fit. And maybe, you know, you don't ask the right questions or mm-hmm. maybe it is just like a difficult situation, but there is a due diligence that I think every parent, every player, um, coaches, whoever's involved in that process uh, has a responsibility to do because, it, it should be a four-year decision. It's not just a yep. one-year renewable, you know, like, oh, I don't like it here. Let's bounce to the next one just because I can. Right, kind of 100%. 100%. So you don't walk this through when you started all the way up into Texas. Um, what what was it like after Texas? So you finished playing, you were done at Texas, then what? Oh, I went through it. I went through <laughs> it. I was like... <laughs> I didn't know if I wanted to continue to play or not. Um, at at Texas, it was the best my body had felt since my injuries. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Zach Zilliner, uh, best strength and conditioning coach, hands down in the game. Uh, my body literally transformed at Texas. If you look at pictures of me, like from one school to another, I look totally different. Um, and I felt different. I was moving better. Um, but leaving Texas, I didn't know if I wanted to go into coaching, if I wanted to uh, continue to play, if I wanted to use my degree somewhere uh, with a business or something. And um, I ended up deciding. I prayed about it. I, you know, sought some wise counsel, and I was like, "Hey, like, I'm never. Once I put the ball down, I'm not gonna pick it back up. Mm-hmm. So I might as well give this thing." Back. Um, so I went overseas. I I got an offer to play in Turkey. Um, I have to stop you real I quick. I, was... I want to stop you. Okay. I have to stop you. I apologize for interrupting. No, but you're good. Why in the world did you want to keep playing? You done tore your ACL three times. <laughs> like what? <laughs> why was you like, okay, like forget it. I want to keep playing. So I'm going to pursue professional basketball and go overseas. <laughs> 
Man, because I thought, I really thought that, and I still think I would have regretted it if I didn't mm-hmm. at least give it a try. Like, I had offers to go coach. I, like, right. had, like, legit offers to go coach. And um, one of, like, the best offer that I had um, was, like, Kai, I know, like, this is an opportunity for you. But if you feel like you're going to regret not taking the opportunity to go overseas, don't take it. Yeah. And she was just very honest with me. And um, I really appreciate it because I, I might have, like, just not given it a try. Mm-hmm. And here I am three years later still playing without a brace. Without a brace. Without Shout a brace. out to that. Without a brace. Man. I love it. All right, so back to that. I just had to ask that question because I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I would have been done. Like, I done got my degree. I done, <laughs> I'm done. So right, walk, us through right. that, walk us through that process. Yeah, so, like, I prayed about it. Um, Saltwise Council. Um, and I, I just bet on myself. And mm-hmm. I got overseas, and that was a culture shock. Uh, like, people think I'm so dramatic, but this is literally what happened. I get to Turkey. I'm the only foreigner on my team. So mm-hmm. I get to Turkey. And in Turkey, it's not like a France or a Germany or a Spain where you can find people that speak English. There was one person who spoke fluent English in my entire club. And it, wow. was, it was my uh, my teammate because she had played in America and her husband was from America. So I was like, oh, this is a culture shock. So I get there. The living situation is, let's just say, subpar. And I, I legit cried, like, for a week. I was, like, And I'm not a crier. I was like, wow. And eventually I was just like, you know what? There's this, this eight-hour time difference. I'm by myself most of the time. And I really just, it was kind of like a wilderness experience for me, like, spiritually. And it was just, it was literally me and God. And I was just getting closer to him. I was, like, figuring stuff out mentally, emotionally, and just, like, focused on I'm here. I'm going to give everything that I have. And I had a great season. I had a great season. I was there for half a season. I got my stats and I got out of that situation. I played my way into a better situation, which is when I went to Slovakia, finished the season there. Um and that got me to New Zealand. And it was just kind of like, ever since then, I've just been going up and up and up. After New Zealand, I get to France, which is one of the top three leagues in the world. Um, so it was, it was just like blessing after blessing after blessing. Uh, and what I thought was going to be, you know, a one and done, like, okay, I did it. And I did it, yeah. Back, you, know, you know, to America and I'm in year three. Um, blessed to be here and just trying to work my way up. And whenever it is time to drop the ball, and or I'm not gonna say drop the ball. Whenever it is time for me to put the ball down, I just I pray it's on my terms, mm-hmm. and that I'm content and satisfied um, with how everything worked out. Man, I love it. I love it. I've obviously always known you as a player, Kyra. Um, never really knew your full story until we got you know connected even more. I'm with you coaching. You know, I've always admired your story. always admired your hard work. Um, But one thing that I have really, no problem. One thing that I have, like, really, really admired about you is that your ability to coach basketball. Like, I think that, I don't think that everybody that have played basketball can coach it, right? It's just just different. Like, I do not think that they can do that. And you coached with us, I don't even remember. It was before, maybe, was it before you first went overseas? 
Or when you came back? I think so, yeah. Yeah, before yeah, you came. Yeah, I think it was before. So you was what, 22, 23? I think 23, yeah. 23, 23, 23 years old. And honestly, most times when I get a new coach, like, I have to follow them a lot. I have to do a lot of different things, especially like you coach one of our national teams. So we're traveling, <laughs> yeah. we're planning, we plan in different tournaments, right? Um, and mm-hmm. still to this day, like I'm not lying, still to this day, players, parents ask about you. When is Coach Kyra coming oh. back? <laughs> Literally, still <laughs> to this day, I got to shout out Ayana. Ayana asked about you <laughs> all the time. Yes. <laughs> Um, but it just goes to show the impact that you left on kids, like your ability to coach them and to coach them without screaming at them, without yelling at them, like being able to break things down. And I'm telling you that is hard to find in coaches. So I know, I know for a fact, when you do drop the ball, if coaching is something you want to do, you're going to kill it. Like I I cannot (laughs) wait to see it. You're definitely going to kill it. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Going back to like professional basketball, all these different things, obviously you're continuing to play. You got to continue to work on your game. Like I see on social media and you're going to have to say his name because I'm drawing a blank here. Um, But the person you trained with in San Antonio, I know you trained a lot with Sean. Recently I've seen you training with the guy in San Antonio. You'll say his name in a minute. I can't. Tim. Tim. Yes, there it is. I could not think Springer. Um, and he does an amazing job. When I watch your videos, you are working on things that translate to basketball. Most of it is just basic mm-hmm. fundamentals, right? Like I would love for yeah. you just to kind of talk about training. You know, I think that that's yeah. another big thing in basketball now where parents don't really understand like who should be training my kid? What should they be working on? I'm tired of seeing some of these videos, Kyra. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> tired of it. I'm over it. And yeah. I think that most like most parents, the trainers or, you know, I don't even want to say the word trainer. People who are working with kids, whatever the case may be, <laughs> because everybody's, right, working with, right. everybody's working with kids now. So I'm not going to even say trainer. Right. You know, but there are people doing some really good things. And it's the basic stuff. It's the fundamentals. It's little things that you need to work on. Parents, not for that. Mm-hmm. They want to do all the flashy things. They want to do the four and five right. dribbles. Like, talk to us about that, what you're doing in training, what you think kids should be focused mm-hmm. on in training. Right. Um, so I'll start like with like me, like professionally, because my training has evolved over my career. Um, so like specifically this past summer, it was a lot of just game situations like basketball is is not a complicated it's not as complicated as people make it seem. A lot of it is just like repeated actions um simple movements understanding footwork i think is fundamental to the game i think that that is something that's underrated and undertaught um but it's it's a lot of like just game actions i'm a player that plays with the like i play with the ball in my hand 90 percent of the game like 90 percent of my shots come off of the bounce um just by nature of how i play in the system that i'm in right now and just putting myself in those game situations um coming off of ball screens getting to my spots like a lot of this basic one dribble pull up, um, maybe like a step back, something like that, get into the lane, different finishes. Um, but it's a lot of times in a game, like I'm not making three and four moves. Like overseas, mm-hmm. 
it's like, okay, if you got like a half a second, maybe a second to make a decision or the ball needs to be out your hands. Like if you're not doing something productive, ball needs to be out your hands. Next pass, extra pass, um, get to the lane kick, get to the lane finish, uh, those kind of things. So it, it's really my training has evolved to like, it's simplified. It's more simplified now. Um, whereas like when I was younger, like I needed the reps. I needed um you know like that base of like a lot of ball handling getting comfortable using both hands um like different types of finishes uh honing my footwork so like doing ladder drills doing it with the ball in my hand uh things like that to where those patterns became like I didn't even have to think about them anymore so if I was in like one specific situation like it was second nature for me to handle it and keep going like it was like I wasn't even thinking about it so it's definitely evolved over time, but I think that not everybody that calls themselves a trainer is actually training your kid. Yep. Um, honestly, it's easy to call yourself a trainer and it just be a money grab. Like mm -hmm. just because people have a name or because, you know, like they played just like coaching, like not everybody who played can coach, not everybody who played can train. Um, so I would say just be wary and is what people are teaching actually translating into mm -hmm. the games like are you seeing difference in your kid um as they're training and is the trainer working on the mental piece because honestly i'd say 80 percent of basketball is mental 100 percent. it's men mental for sure know, i know people who are always in the gym but like just mentally like it's just hard to get over that hump or i know people who aren't as skilled quote unquote um, but like mentally they got that dog in them and it makes up for a whole lot. Whole you know lot. I mean? That's, I people, listen. <laughs> people get scholarships off of that mental piece. Listen, that was, that was on my mind when you said that, like, I, I know people who, and I'm not saying they wasn't good, like not saying that at all, but wasn't, like you said, right. as skilled, but was confident. You couldn't tell them they couldn't shoot. You couldn't tell them they went right. back to lock somebody up. Like. And it right. got them looks. Like, sometimes your confidence, your confidence makes up for a lot. Like, people, Absolutely. just in general, people love being around people that's confident. Coaches love recruiting yep. kids that's confident. Not necessarily cocky, you know, finding that balance, but very confident mm -hmm. in what they do and what they can bring to the table. So, that's, I, I, that's spot on. Yeah, that's Absolutely. spot on. I do want to ask, as we start to kind of wrap it up, if you had a kid playing AAU basketball, how would you go about choosing the team for them? Mm. Um, oof, that's a good question. One, I was, I would see kind of like track record, like are, it does this program, has this program put, you know, like kids in college and does this program care about my child? more than just what they can do for them on the basketball court. Like, for example, with Team Express, I can call – Coach Clarissa texted me, like, a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. and that relationship. You know I mean? Like, it's the relationship piece because at the end of the day, like, basketball, like, yes, it's a game, and yes, it's important to a lot of people, but it's a vehicle in, in my mind. Like, it's a vehicle that has opened so many doors, so many relationships – um, because one day the ball will stop bouncing and you're going to have to make a decision and know what to do with it. And it's those relationships that are going to be timeless that help you along the way. So, like, 
are you choosing a program that is going to help your child beyond just the game, mm-hmm. I would say. But it's easy for me to say because this is in hindsight. Um, yeah. But yeah, like track record and then that relationship piece. Yeah, and I think, it's, I think it's so hard. And like, you know, obviously people say track record a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to come in just with that just a little bit because I feel, I do think track record is very important. But like I'll take us, for example, competitive edge. You know, if somebody wanted to come play with me two years ago or what was this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two years ago, there is no track record. I haven't put right. anyone in school, right? But I guarantee you right. I can probably call any coach. And if I don't exactly. have the if I don't have the contact, I can text somebody. How many times did I text you, Kyra? You got this number. Who you right. got this number? Right. right? Um, right. So right. I think it's a give and take when we talk track record. I think it's more mm-hmm. relationships and connections, right? Facts. You I know agree. because I agree with that. You know somebody can look at it and say, "Oh," sh-, and people would say that that was um, like our mm-hmm. knock a lot. Oh, she ain't mm-hmm. put nobody in school. Why would you go play there, right? And it was mm-hmm. solely because we never had a graduating class. You know, when right, you take it, right. when you take it a step down, anything that you're building, it's a process. So yeah. most of our kids are getting D2 looks, which to me, I'm always D free. D1, D2, JUCO, mm-hmm. I don't care where, I don't care where you're going. Thanks. Like, right. can we get you to school for free or as little out, out of your parents' pockets as possible, Right. Right. As we right. have evolved, as time has passed on, we're getting different levels of kids. Now we're getting some of these kids mm-hmm. that D1 coaches are looking for. You know, I'm never going to mm-hmm. sell a kid to a coach like, oh, recruit this kid. And a, and a coach, I don't expect a D1 coach to recruit a kid that can't play at that level. Right. But right. we right. got the relationship. And when that time comes, it's able to happen. You know, so I Facts. do I do agree that track record is important, but I think what's more important, I guess, since I've been in this is the relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, yeah. the relationships both ways, kid and coach, director mm-hmm. and college coach. Like, I think it goes, facts. it goes both ways. No facts. And that's one thing that like, I've always spoken of and like have really appreciated and loved about competitive edge is it's not just like the relationship piece, but you're being coached by people who have been to where mm-hmm. you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Like most, most legit, most AU programs ain't got that. Like to be coached by somebody who can literally jump into practice with you and give you buckets. Right. Like <laughs> humble yourself, young buck. Like we know what we're talking about, you know, but it's like, we've been to where you want to go. Um, like the coach knows what they're talking about. Um, and knows, you know, like the questions to ask can help you through the process, can make those calls, has, like, I have so many college coaches numbers in my phone just from the recruiting process still. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you need to call, like 10 coaches on the staff got a number that they can call on any level, on any level. And I think that's one of the biggest things that separates competitive edge from most AU programs. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. The very last thing for that sure. I have for you is what do you think, and we kind of probably just talked about it, but what do you think is the most important thing of AAU? Mm. Um, oh, that's a good one. 
the most important thing of AAU, just like as a whole? As a whole. I would say, honestly, the relationships. Mm -hmm. I knew you would say that. Some of my closest friends and closest relationships have been a result of AAU. Like, I just got off the phone with the old AAU teammate, Mm -hmm. and we keep in contact. And um, even now, like, seeing people doing their things, like, some of my former teammates are doctors, lawyers, got kids, uh, and we still keep in contact. You just, it's so good to see people thriving and. Um, seeing that, you know, basketball is that vehicle, like it got them a free education and now like they're doing life and they're thriving in whatever path, you know, like they, they chose. So, uh, I would say those relationships are invaluable and I would, I would give a lot to play one more season, one more season of AAU. Cause there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I miss AAU so bad. It, it's nothing <laughs> yeah. like it. It's nothing like it, man. Yeah. This was this this was good. As we as we come to a conclusion, I I always conclude with what I call rapid fire. Um, got you. I got five questions for you. Whatever come to mind, you you answer it. And uh, okay, whenever you're ready, you ready? Let's do it. All right. Best teammate you have played with. <sighs> that one's hard. Uh, there's there's too many to count. Cause if I say one name, somebody you gotta give me one. Me nope, you gotta give me one. You gotta pick one. Best teammate, I'll say a do Bogak. A do Bogak. She went to Florida State. We played together in France. Um, just great overall person. Super mm-hmm. professional. Great player. Great person. Those game day brunches. <laughs> absolutely love them. So yeah, I say a do. And I want to shout out if we talking about the same person. I think we are. She went JUCO first, right? Yes. Went to yes, Trinity Valley. That's absolutely. what I thought. Juco product. Yeah. Went to D1, now playing professional. Favorite yeah. college player. Who's your favorite college player right now? Right now? Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's hard. Um, or we can go back for when you played. Play. When I played, favorite college player... I'm gonna go way back. I'm gonna say Elena Beard. Okay, I'm gonna I'll say take Elena that. Beard. I'll take yeah. that. Your biggest ick as a player? Oof! When people clap for the ball, <laughs> like I'm, I am here. I am a point guard because I got court vision. If you think you open and you're not getting the ball, you're not open. Like Facts. I'm gonna get it. If you open, I'm gonna get it to you. You ain't gotta clap. That's my biggest ick for sure. Best player you have played against? Ooh. Um, best uh, Asia Wilson. Okay, and who is someone you look up to and admire? There's a lot of people. Uh, I'll say Elena Beard. Okay. So it is. Do you guys have a a, a, um, personal relationship, or is it more just like distant? No, we have a personal relationship. We have a personal relationship. But what she's doing for people, um, like she's retired now, but like what she did for the game, both on and off the court, and, and just the impact that she has in her community and beyond is is incredible. And uh, she's really changing the game for women's I'm basketball. I'm going to Elena, uh, I'm gonna have to get on a podcast, so I might need that connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Nah, that's dope. So we started the podcast with what's different in the youth industry. Um, we're going to kind of end the podcast with what will be different about Kyra in three to five years. Um, ooh, I mean, with, with time comes more experience, more knowledge, um, more understanding. So I'll say I'll just be continually growing and evolving and you know I hope who I am in three to five years isn't who you're who you're seeing right now mm-hmm. um I think that people constantly change and evolve so um yeah hopefully I'm just bigger and better 2.0 I love it well there you have it Kyra tell everyone where they can find you um on social medias whatever and I would love for you to leave a message to our parents, players, as it relates to AAU, youth industry, any gym that you want to drop for them? For sure. Um, I'll start with the gym. So honestly, just stay, whatever you believe in, stay faithful to that. Um, Believe in yourself, bet on yourself, and just don't uh, don't limit yourself. Put yourself in an environment where you're able to grow, where you're challenged. Put yourself in an environment where you're not the best so that you have to, you know, go through a little bit in order to get to where you need to go because that'll pay off dividends well into the future. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, either search Kyra Lambert or Kai, K-Y underscore Lamb 15. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for being a guest. This was an amazing episode. So many gems has dropped. Thank you everyone thank y'all for tuning in for watching listening i appreciate it be sure to like share subscribe my goal is to get this podcast out to anyone possible any parent any player that has that is playing youth basketball i'm or a parent that has a kid playing i appreciate it if you were listening don't forget to leave us a review if you enjoyed this podcast we love five-star reviews That's all we got for today, and we'll see you next week.